If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. We will be in the sixth chapter this morning, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And we will be in verse 37. We, we only got through verse uh, 37 last week, um, but um, we're, we're going we're gonna to try this again and see if we can make it all the way through this week. But in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 through 42, that's where we'll find ourselves this morning. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 through 42. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 through 42. Now, I will say to you again that uh, I know you just sat down, but if you're physically able to do so, I would invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 through 42. Hear the word of the Lord that's given to um, us this morning. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. Um, for, within, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not fall? both fall into a ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye um, and do not perceive the plank that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, and when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Let's pray together. Father, we ask for your blessing upon this, this time, uh, upon the time that we spend in the Word. May it be for your glory and your honor's sake. And we ask this, and we ask for your enablement, enabling through your Spirit to hear the Word and to receive it and to, uh, to glorify you in obeying it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm sure that uh, we've probably always heard, or we've, we've, we've had an example of someone who has told us, um, so-and-so will never amount to anything, or um, such-and-such will never be productive, uh, or so-and-so will never be productive. Well, this is the type of judging that Jesus actually forbids that we're, we're, we're looking at this morning. Um, when we say, as I said last week, and I'm sure you have know, right, this, this, is, this is what our culture loves. Our, our culture may not know very, uh, very, uh, very many other Bible verses, but they know this Bible verse, right? This one and in Matthew chapter 7, right? Do not judge. They, the, our culture loves this Bible verse. Um, but the problem is, is that they, they take it out of its context and out of the meaning, its proper meaning. And we know this when Jesus says, do not judge. How is it that we know that he doesn't mean this. Well, I mean, first and foremost, we could look at the word uh, karino, uh, which is the, the Greek word for judge here, which literally has the understanding of to cut off without ever believing that, uh, uh, basically, to cut off and to consider one damned, right, or consign one to hell. It's one of the ways that it's used. Um, and that there are many other many other ways that it's used throughout Scripture. But I will say this, we, we are told that we are told to not judge, and we know that Jesus wasn't meaning judging in judging in general because you and I cannot go through life without making 
discernment calls, right? Making judgment calls. We, we have to make calls all the day long. Do I take that job or do I not? Do I, do I, um, do I move here or do I not? Do I, do I go this route on my way to work or do I not? We, 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 do I make this investment or do I not? And so Jesus here isn't making just a blanket statement for not judging. As a matter of fact, what, what Jesus is condemning, as we'll see here in our, in verse 37, but also later on, beginning in verse 39 and following, what Jesus is talking about is judging righteously. That is that we must judge, but judge righteously. That is not according to my standards or your standards, not according to culture standards. I mean, let's be honest. Culture is constantly changing. We constantly hear, well, one thing's wrong, and then the next thing's wrong, and then uh, and then all of a sudden, well, you know, this was this was uh, this is old school and bigoted and and blah blah blah, and on and on they go. And if we judge according to their standards, our standards are always going to be changing. But God says, don't judge like that. Don't judge hypocritically. Don't judge according to the standards of our of the nations. Rather, judge in accordance with what God has said and, uh, and, and God's standards and God's law and God's judgment, uh, what God has said. And so when people say to us, when we say, hey, look, this is wrong, people say, yeah, but that's just your opinion. No, no, it's not. It's not our opinion. At least it shouldn't be, right? We should be based, judging things based upon the standard of God's word. We should be judging everything based upon the standard of God's word. A righteous judgment, a judgment that honors Christ, a judgment that Jesus will say here in verse 39, doesn't lead us, leave us blind. And it's a judgment that not only doesn't leave us blind, but it also doesn't leave us. And he gives us a, a hilarious picture, a word picture, right, of a, of a giant plank or a giant log sticking out of your eye while you're over here trying to get a speck out of your brother's eye. And so Jesus says, look, if you're going to judge, make sure that the judgment that you're using is righteous. And how do we know if it's righteous or not? The question becomes, does it come from God's word? Does it become from God's law? Does it, is it what God has, has stated? Because God is our objective standard. He has given us in the word the objective standard of right and wrong. He's given us the objective standard of righteousness and unrighteousness. And so when we make value calls, when we make judgments, they should be in line and in keeping with God's word. And not hypocritically. Not hypocritically. And so we measure all things in accordance with God's word. And we do so with grace and mercy while doing so with truth. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, again, I don't mean that, that we, we are unafraid or, excuse me, we're afraid to call right, right, and wrong, wrong. But instead, we, when we do that, we do that understanding that those who hear that are, are where we used to be. They are who we used to be. We used to be of the world. We used to be in the world. We used to have the same standards of the world. We used to be children of darkness. And we understand that they are there still. But the problem, the, 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 the bigger issue, I think, that we are faced, even as a church, even as the, the church of Jesus Christ, are those who call themselves Christians. And they're like, yeah, man, I, don't, I just don't believe that. So you don't believe God's word? You don't trust God's word? You have no confidence in God's word? Listen, a Christian who does not trust God's word is an oxymoron. It's an oxymoron. And so we who are God's people must judge righteously. And how do we know this? Well, if you even go back to verse 32... 
Listen to what Jesus here himself says. He's talking about hypocritical love here. And he says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good to to do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father, in, just as your Father also is merciful. And we see that perfectly aligned for us in the person and the work of Christ. Ultimately aligned for us in the perfect person and the work of Christ. Christ dying on the cross for sins that he never committed, sinless in all that he is and all that he was. Christ, Christ, the, the God-man, fully God and fully man coming to earth, living and dying a death that he did not deserve right upon the cross of Christ. He was, he prayed, even prayed for those who crucified him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. This wasn't that, that God would ultimately not send them to hell, but it was a, a cry for mercy nonetheless. Because the Father would judge and judge all who refuse to repent and believe the gospel. But this mercy that the Lord is talking about is not a, you see, let me put it this way. There are Christians in the world today who want to be and try to be more merciful than Jesus. And that's not what we're talking about. It's not what Jesus is talking about. What do I mean by that? Well, they, they, they don't want to call, they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to do anything wrong that, that, or do anything right that, that maybe, you know, well, uh, why, you know, why would you needlessly offend the, the lost? Right. Well, certainly we shouldn't be jerks. But at the same time, I mean, who defines, what, who defines a jerk, Right. And so we, we have to ask ourselves, what is, what, is the, what is, as God's people, the way for us to be both merciful and yet truthful? Well, the answer to that is ultimately seen in the preaching of the gospel, in calling for sinners to repent, for seeking to, seeking to call our nation to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is most certainly merciful, and yet if, if, if the, the, the sinners uh, all day long, if you, you get on social media, you will see where um, uh, many who are calling our nation back into uh, back to repentance and trying to pass godly laws men like uh, uh, men like Dusty Devers out in Oklahoma who's a who's a, uh, a man of God as a pastor but also uh, uh, he's a um, he's a he's a lawmaker there in Oklahoma calling for uh, God for his his count uh, his not just his county but also or his district but also his state to pass godly laws you know it's funny to me that only in America can we find a nation where in I think it was Idaho that just passed the law that if if you are found guilty of, of sexual abuse or against a child under the age of 12, you are now, you are now guilty of, capital, of a capital offense, and everybody loses their mind. When did God's law become so offensive? When did God's law become so very offensive? Well, the, the idea is that it's always been offensive. But we should not be afraid to stand up for truth and righteousness and holiness. We should be willing to stand and preach the gospel and call sinners to repentance and faith. But we should also be willing to, to, to let them know that our standards are not our standards, but come from Christ and come from the word of God. And so when Jesus says, don't judge, again, he's saying, don't be hypocritical in your judgment. Don't, don't judge like the sinners judge. Don't, don't be hypocritical. Don't, don't judge in a way that, is, that, that overlooks your sin and your, your own standards uh, of living. 
but forgive and it will be and you will be forgiven give he says and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom right for with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you so don't judge unrighteously don't judge hypocritically because the lord promises that those who do will receive from his hand the same type of judgment but he goes on and this is the question that he asks and this is the reason for the question here in verse 39 he says, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Well, obviously, we all know the answer to that, right? If, the, if, if blind people are going around leading blind people, they're going to both fall into a ditch. And let's just be honest. As a nation, we have fallen into a ditch because we've got a bunch of blind people trying to lead us. But even in the churches, we don't even have to go that far. Even in the church, in many churches today, we have blind people trying to lead blind people. We have people who have no idea what the word of God says. They have no, and, and it's even more, I think it's even more dangerous than that. There are some people that don't even, who call themselves believers in Christ, they don't even care what the Bible says. Brothers and sisters, we must judge righteously so that we aren't blind, trying to lead the blind, and falling into a ditch. We must be men of the light and women of the light who love the light and do not love the darkness. After all, isn't that what Jesus says? That, that, those, who, those, who, uh, uh, that, that those who come to the light, right, they, they, are, they, they see clearly, and those who are left in darkness, they do so because they hate the light and do not come to the light. And so we as God's sons and God's daughters should be men and women who love the light, who love the light, who are not unwilling to turn on the light of the gospel, who willingly proclaims the gospel of Christ. I, I, I will be honest with you, and, and Tim and, and, and Hank and anybody else who's been out there, I guarantee you that the majority of the people I know, I know the majority of the people who see us out there preaching the gospel at the, at the abortion mill and who hear us pleading with moms and dads not to murder their children see us as judgmental, hateful people. Because their, their objective, they have no standard and no moral objective. They have no, they have no standard for morality. They, 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 are, they are haters of life. They are haters of God. And as a result, it shows, which is why we receive all kinds of loving, <laughs> loving responses from the world. But the Lord says that those of us who are, who, who judge righteously, right? We're not of the blind who will lead the blind because then we just both fall in a ditch. And Jesus goes on here in verse 40, and the disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? N notice, notice this. What does he say? It's interesting how Jesus connects these two, these two phrases. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Excuse me, lead the blind. Will they not both fall into a ditch? And then in verse 41, and why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank that's in your own eye? How does he connect these two thoughts? In verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. 
How is it that we learn to judge righteously? How is it that we learn what righteousness is? How is it that we learn and know what is righteous and holy and objective standard for morality in all things? How do we know this? Well, it's from God's word. We don't have to vote on it. We don't get to vote on God's word. We don't get to vote on whether or not we want to obey God's word. We don't get to vote on whether or not we like God's word. Right? This has never been up for a, for a debate or discussion. We, are, we become like our, our master, like our teacher. And who is our master and our teacher? It is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so we, we as God's people, we hear the voice of Christ. We, we hear the word of God. We follow the word of God. And in so doing, when we call evil, evil and sin, sin, we are not doing so in our own authority or in our own power, but in the power and the love and the grace of almighty God that is given to us in Christ. And so let me ask the question. Are you trying to be more loving than Jesus? More merciful than Jesus in your relationships? Or are you willing to make the hard calls in those relationships? Lovingly calling sinners to repentance and faith. Lovingly calling sinners to to bow the knee to Christ and the word of God. The law of God in all things. It's interesting to me that even many Christians today don't think that this is the way things are or should be. We can pick and choose and take God's word as we, as we, as we want. It's sort of like a buffet, but in reality, there is no buffet. A place, a nation, a community, a church who loves the gospel will be clear. It will be clear. And they will pass good and righteous standards and laws and all things. In your home, are you trying to be more loving than Jesus? Not disciplining your children is not loving them well. Refusing to correct wrong behavior. I see, you see it all the time. You see people posting these videos on social media with little kids talking back to their dads or their moms and, and you know, sassing them. And, and, and it's cute and fine when they're two and three. What about when they're eight and 10 and 15? Are we trying to be more loving than Jesus by not correcting our children? By thinking, well, you know, it's all fine and it's all good. But we are called as parents who love Christ to use God's word as the standard by which we, we lead our families, by which we lead the congregations that we serve as elders, as pastors. We're called to make judgments that honor Christ. When someone is caught, into a, caught in a sin, it isn't, I know many churches, maybe you do too, many churches that, that they're like, well, you know, we hate it for Joe. Well, yeah, we should hate it for Joe. But as God's people, we must hold Joe accountable if he says he belongs to Christ. This is the purpose of church discipline. This is the purpose for which we as God's people exercise discipline as a congregation. We say, yes, we love Joe. Joe, we love you. Let's, let's plead with Joe to return and to repent. But Joe, you don't get a free pass just because you try to go, just because you say, oh, I'm out of here. We must lovingly, graciously, merciful, mercifully call Joe to repentance and exercise discipline 
It is not gracious when somebody just, just says, you know what, I don't think I believe in Jesus anymore, and the church stands back and is like, ah, okay, see you later. Bye, Joe. We must judge with the righteous judgment of God and his standards. And I would say this to you as well, Christian. There's a word of warning here when in Jesus' words. It says a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. There's a warning here for us. Because let's be honest, Jesus was the, mo was the perfect, most loving, gracious, gracious person, right? God-man, right, ever lived. And he was crucified. And so we should, be under, we should understand that there is a call in this that we are going to suffer at times for holding forth the standard of God's word and saying, this is what God says and demands. We are not above our teacher, and so there will be times when we, we will suffer. There are a great many Christians even today who are suffering throughout Africa and Indonesia and other places around the world. There are great numbers of Christians suffering for the cause and the sake of Christ. In China, Christians who, who simply, simply want to proclaim the gospel are persecuted and jailed and some even murdered. And this is not something that should be surprising to us when they, because the world doesn't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to hear the gospel of Christ. They don't want to hear the law of God. But in doing that, we don't back down. There are too many leaders, and I don't just mean political, I mean, I mean Christian leaders who stick their finger in the wind and say, let's see which way this thing's blowing so that I can make a decision. That is not godly leadership. It is not godly leadership in the home. It is not godly leadership in the church. It is not godly leadership in any way. We don't make decisions based upon the winds of change and the winds of culture. We follow Christ we follow Christ. And a teacher, a disciple is not above his teacher. And I think there is a warning here that if because Christ has suffered, we will at times suffer for the sake of Christ. But does that mean that God still hasn't won and that God's that God is still sovereign over the nations? No, most certainly not. God is absolutely sovereign over the nations. God is most surely. God is most surely moving the gospel forward in the world. God is, even in, the, even in the most closed off regions of the world today, the gospel is still at work and moving forward. It may be inch by inch. It may be uh, centimeter by centimeter. But God's gospel will not and cannot be thwarted. And so we who are God's people... We embrace the suffering of our master and preach the gospel and not back down. And then he says, and this is, this is what he says here. So why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you, you don't perceive the plank, the log that is in your own eye? You see what Jesus doesn't say here? He doesn't say, hey, uh, you're not supposed to judge at all. What does he say here? In verse 42, he says, first, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. So Jesus here is condemning, again, judging. As a matter of fact, he's saying, look, judge righteously and make sure, 
Make sure before you go around helping someone else who's fallen into sin that you deal with yours first. You make sure that the log and the plank that's in your eye, that that's dealt with first. And then, after you've dealt with your plank, your, your log, you'll be able to help your brother or sister in Christ to deal with the speck that's in their eye. Again, Jesus is not saying, don't judge just in general. He's saying, let's do this righteously. Let's do this. Let's judge righteously. Let's make decisions that are wise and in keeping with the will of God and in in accordance with the word of God, trained by the word of God, being led by the spirit of God through the word of God in all things, that God in Christ would be glorified. The gospel would speed forward. The gospel would speed forward in faith, in truth, in love, in grace, but boldness, Christian, boldness. It's easy for us in difficult times for us to pull back and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe I just need to pull back a little. But these are times of boldness. These are times when men must be bold men. And mothers and women must be bold women for the sake of the gospel. Men leading out in their homes, loving their wives and their children, loving the nation enough to say, this is what Christ has said. We must be bold. We must not shrink back. We must not, we must not allow our hearts to become moved by fear, but rather in faith in Christ. We move forward preaching the gospel. We move forward loving our neighbor as ourselves. We move forward in these things, holding out the word of God and the gospel of Christ to the nations. We as God's sons and as God's daughters are called upon to lead with boldness, not with fear, not with fear but with boldness, with faith, honor, dignity, things that we used to believe in, things that we should still believe in. Men, we must be men of courage. We must be men of faith. We must be faithful in all that we do and say, dealing with our own sins first, but also dealing with the sins that must be dealt with. Dealing with all things for the glory of God. I'm not going to get into this today, but, but, but notice why this is so important. If you go down into verse 43, look what it says. We'll, we'll, we'll back up and we'll, we'll, I'll deal with these verses next week, Lord willing. Because listen to what Jesus says here in verse 43. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather fig, figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so, my brothers and sisters, we must be men of God and men of courage and men of faith who are not afraid to call sinners to repentance and faith in Christ. Is it difficult? You betcha. Is it hard? Yeah. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't relish 
I'm sure if you talk to Tim or Hank or anybody else, I don't relish somebody stopping in the middle of the street, rolling down the window and calling us a bunch of four-lettered names. I, it's not. I'll be honest with you. My flesh sometimes wants to come out. But by God's grace, we call sinners to repentance and faith. Paying willingly, paying the price, being reproached for the sake in the name of Christ and for the cause of Christ. And so let us judge righteously in holy ways, honoring Christ in all things. Because a disciple is not above his teacher. And we are not above our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters, who suffered reproach, who suffered reproach for our sake. For our sake, Christ had, Christ became sin. For our sake, he was crucified. For our sake, he died. For our sake, he rose again on the third day. And for the Father's glory, Jesus has done all of this to redeem a people to himself. So let us not be afraid to judge righteously, to judge faithfully, to judge in accordance with the standard of God's word, to judge, to judge with the judgment of God. Let's pray together. Father, uh, our prayer this morning is that you would help us uh, to judge righteously and, and judge without fear, without fear. to let those who are apart from Christ know that Christ is the only way of salvation. That it's only through Christ that they can be made right with you. And Father, we thank you that you are in our weakness at work, glorifying yourself through the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. Help us to be faithful in doing that. Help us to not stand back and be scared or timid or afraid, but with boldness, leading our families, with boldness, leading our congregation, with boldness, leading in every area of life and ministry and godliness in our workplaces. God, in every area, in the political arena, leading forward in godliness for the sake of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name.